Lockfolio. It's the addictive app that has us swiping down many times each day to see the current price of cryptocurrency. Oh, my thumb! My thumb hurts. Five million users track more than 8,000 coins and tokens in the app every day, and you're likely one of them. Today, we welcome Edward Moncada, the CEO and co-founder of Blockfolio, to the show. From Blockfolio's unprecedented growth to Travis's Nintendonitis, we've got an informative and entertaining discussion to bring your way. Also, we discovered a unique application of blockchain designed to solve the problems inherent with people moving from one country to another. Migranet is in the crypto spotlight to detail how they intend to create a global community of immigrants, travelers, and processing systems in a standardized token ecosystem on their platform. So swipe right on this show because we're going to be the perfect date. Welcome to episode number 280 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Crypto Spring and to the Bad Crypto Podcast, where everything is coming up bullish. I'm Joel Com, and that is Travis Rose. This is Joel Com. We are in crypto summer now. It's it's past June 21st, and Bitcoin is past 10,000. So we're officially in crypto summer, right? Well, I mean, I suppose it was a really short spring then. Well, I right? mean, it got lots of rain. We had a lot, a lot of flooding. Um, this time it was time for some summer. I think I'm ready for summer. That was just that was your basement. That was that was my basement. I did my basement did flood. I was like, good lord! I cleaned the gutters. I did all kinds of stuff. It just kept raining. Uh, anyway, this is a great episode. I like this episode. Uh, but before we get into that, let's talk about our show sponsor, Mr. Joel Com Divi is a cryptocurrency app that makes it easy to earn, transact, and store your cryptos. Divi is the first crypto ecosystem powered by masternodes that can be installed in one click in the cloud, Mr. Jocom. Uh, with Divi's Machi masternode one-click cloud installer, users can begin earning crypto at just the click of a button without the arduous setup process. I love that word, arduous. You just sound like you got to throw the laxin on that one. But anyways, tr- check it out. If you guys have not tried out Divi, it's so easy to set up a masternode and then you know, the more cryptos you hold and whichever masternode you have, the more cryptos that you're earning. And so go check it out. You can learn more at DiviProject.org. You can check them out on Twitter. They're Divi Project over there. They're Divi Project on the Telegram. They're Divi on Crex24, the exchange. So check them out. It's Divi Project. Yeah, when you said throw a little accent on there, initially I heard throw a little laxative on there. I'm like, what? <laughs> No, don't throw the laxative in anything unless it's in a brownie to your enemy. Yes, love in mochi, mochi. The masternode one-click cloud. And so I like the way you said that mochi. I'd like a grande mochi chino, please, with some divi. I'd like a divi mochi if I could. That sounds good. With the cloud masternode one cloud click installer. Got a great show for you, Edward Mancada from Blockfolio, and then a really unique crypto spotlight. You're not going to want to miss it. Stick around. Like I said, swipe right because it's going to be great. Here we go. I've got a lot of apps on my iPhone, but there's one app in particular that depending upon what it says can make me smile or make me cry. It's an incredibly powerful app. And you probably all have it on your phone too. The app, of course, that I'm referring to is the Blockfolio 
application. Travis, are you uh, smiling or crying today? You know what? It's uh, I'm normally smiling and uh, I'm smiling. Okay. Yeah. It's a pretty good day. It's been an interesting day because today, those of you who we got to put a little timestamp on here, the Facebook crypto white paper was announced today. So it's been interesting watching the cryptos today for sure. I mean, it's been a good day. Mm-hmm. And Blockfolio has been happier as of late than it's been, you know, most of the past year. And we are super happy to have with us the co-founder and the CEO of Blockfolio. Mr. Edward Mancada is here in the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. Ed, how you doing? <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, we, we decided we want to call you Eduardo, though. Call me whatever you want. I'm down. Eduardo Mancada of Blockfolio. <laughs> I'll be attracting your cryptos. It'll be a very good. Uh, you're not Italian, though. You're uh, you're Bolivian. You're from Tulsa. And a uh, little fun fact, I lived in Edmond, Oklahoma for about eight years. Tulsa's in Bolivia? <laughs> I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But Joel, like myself, just got the hell out of there. That's good. Yeah, I did. I did get out of there. And uh, of course, you know, if you guys uh, use Blockfolio, and I'm pretty sure that most of you do it uh it it creates this dopamine release because you're always checking it it's like you're swiping down on it it's like did it change did it change oh no what happened to my cryptos oh yay bitcoin's up (laughs) yeah i'll actually will make decisions i'll say instead of flipping a coin i'll just go to my block folder go go, did it go up or did it go down oh it went down okay never mind i'm not gonna go do that Well, Edward, why don't we uh, go ahead and do a little bit of your your bio. Tell us a little bit about what you did before blockchain came along. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so I grew up in Oklahoma, studied engineering at Berkeley. That kind of an odd path. Actually, after college, I, I was a professional poker player for about nine years. Nice. That's fun. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. It's it funny. I was like kind of spent nine years of my life trying to avoid responsibility and now I feel like I have more and I know what to do with. In 2012, I uh, was introduced to Bitcoin. You know, by 2013 and 2014, I was invested in many cryptocurrencies beyond Bitcoin. I realized that there was just a need uh, for an app where we could easily track everything. But there were two other co-founders with me, and we we just decided to build Blockfolio. We just it really was just to kind of build something that we needed for ourselves. I was curious about the inspiration for the name because I have a theory. So Blockfolio, I have a theory that it was from Beavis and Butthead's Cornholio. Need TP for my butthole. <laughs> no? <laughs> Bitcoin. <laughs> How'd you guys know? That's why That's that's why we named it that. I had an intuition, my friend. I was telling Joel earlier, I said, when we talk, when we talk to Eduardo, I go, I'm going to let him know I got to sue him for the Nintendonitis in my thumb. From swiping down and trying to see my my, my block folio all the time, my like, oh my thumb's getting yeah. sore, especially when that one day when crypto rise when it, when it rose like like over five grand, almost six grand or whatever, it had like a huge couple days. Like I was feeling it, I was feeling it in the, near my fingertips there with the Nintendoitis. <laughs> no, I mean actually back in 2014 when we started building it, like everything was either named Coin or Block. I think Block was starting to be used. And I guess we could have called it Coinfolio, and it would have been closer to Coin Cornfolio. Oh man, Coinfolio! <laughs> to- you missed it. Yes. Yeah, that was the missed opportunity That's there. Right? I like it though. Yeah, yeah. We ended up choosing Blockfolio, and actually, it turns out I think we're really fortunate to pick that name because uh, these days, I think I'll get on Twitter sometimes. I'll see some tweets of somebody will be like, "Hey, check out my Blockfolio," and it's some app that's not ours. 
And that was when I was like, wow, I think <laughs> we stumbled across a great name. Yeah, right? yeah. It's what it is. It is. It's like it's your crypto portfolio. All your stuff's on the blockchain. Now, I noticed you guys have what? Is 8,000 tokens or something on Blockfolio? Is that correct? Yeah, we have a lot. We have we have a plethora of tokens. Yeah, but you're missing one. What's that? You're missing bad coin. <laughs> you guys have a coin? Yeah, we have a coin. When did you guys launch this thing? Uh, so we launched bad coin, uh, the, the official one with this official chain that Marshall Long's team created, uh, just about two months ago. So it's, uh, it's currently actually trading on BOA exchange right now. And we've had like 500 concurrent miners on this thing. People are digging it because you mine with bad computers. They're digging it. Huh. I love that. that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is straight. So the way that it's set up is that depending on the device you connect with, uh, you connect to a different algorithm, right? So like if you have a room full of ASICs, you're going to connect to the SHA-256 algorithm, but the difficulty is going to be way, way high, like in the millions, and the reward's going to be lower than average. But if you go to like YesScript and you connect with your MacBook and you got like 2.2 kilohash, right? Well, you pool it all together with everybody else. And uh, whenever those blocks are rewarded, you, it gets all divvied up. And so the trick is, is to keep it fair for everyone, right? So everyone can mine if they have a computer that can connect to the internet. There you go. So uh, you guys wrote a white paper for this and everything? Or are you just like, hey, we're just going to put out a token? We got a white paper. It's yellow paper. We got a blue paper. <laughs> we got one in Chinese coming. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, no, we, we started out as a joke, right? So we had BitShares. Uh, Joel had found out that you could create a coin on BitShares. And so we, we used to give it out to folks for like leaving a review or, or just checking in or leaving comments or sharing stuff, you know, just kind of a reward token. Then we realized like it's just not cool anymore how the Jihan Woos of the world and, you know, those big four pools and those other smaller pools, those are the only people that can really mine Bitcoin today, right, at any yeah. level of effectiveness. And so I said, man, how cool it was back in the day when we could mine with our laptop. Like, let's get back to those days and let's reverse the arms race. And so well, how cool would it be if everybody with a bad computer could still mine crypto and teach them all about <laughs> blockchain, right? So it becomes an educational tool more than anything. Right. No matter how messed up that porn on your computer will, yeah, will make you're it. Gonna be you able still mine, right? Chill out some, chill still out. Be some yeah, Joel, Joel connected his, the MacBook, and uh, like on a video live, and he had 0.42 kilohash. Like, that's how powerful it was. That was awesome. <laughs> nice, man. People have asked us so often, like, when are you going to release a Blockfolio token? And that's just something we've never really had on our roadmap. But now that you guys have a token, I'm like, dude, oh, there's 8,000 other ones out there. The next thing you know, there'll be 100,000 of them. What, what are some of the differentiators, I guess, of these coins and the process of figuring out which ones are going to be on? So actually, you know, we don't really look at the coins per se so much unless it's brought to our attention. But really for us, what it is, is we're looking at exchanges. So as, as exchange is picking up volume, right, oftentimes they'll reach out to us and see if the, that we can include them in our app and in adding that exchange will add all the tokens that they have on that exchange, right? So rather than focusing on a coin-by-coin basis, because that would just be insanely difficult to keep up with, we, we just try to work with uh, exchanges that have real volume coming in, like, you know, a decent amount of volume uh, and, and usage and patronage. Mm -hmm. We'll start tapping into their price feeds and list anything they have. So it's a little bit less cumbersome. When did you first kick this off? When was Blockfolio invented and, and uh, what inspired it? Yeah, so it was 2014. I got into Bitcoin in 2012. By 2013 and 2014, I was invested in a lot of different shitcoins, <laughs> right? 
we just wanted something to use for ourselves. Which is kind of, by the way, the reason that Yahoo started, right? That uh, the, those Yang and Philo wanted to create a directory of sites. And then friends came to them and said, hey, could you add this and could you add this? And so I'm guessing something similar happened. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, I mean, Coin Coin Market Cap already existed by then, right? And a lot of it for me was like, you know, I'm going to eat dinner with my wife and, you know, I can't bring my computer with me and look, stare at Coin Market Cap all day. So I should really try to build something for myself. And so that, and I had a couple of friends. One of them introduced me to kind of a developer who had done an app called Pocket Crypto. And I looked at it, I was like, wow, this is super useful. I think we can rename it. And it was really just the home screen of Blockfolio. And we can add some bells and whistles onto it, like an order book, alerts, news. And I was like, maybe we can build a real business out of this. I got connected with him. He's actually our technical co-founder, Peter Lau. He's still with us at Blockfolio. Another friend of mine, Charlie Mason, came on board and, and, and we decided to build it. We started building in 2014 and we launched it in 2015. To be honest, it was just something. It was, we just wanted to build something that was a convenient way for us to, to track crypto. We had no idea that we were going to kind of hit this nerve where people were going to be opening up. I think in the bull runs, our average user opens up the app like 14 or 15 times a day. Is that all? Yeah, right. That's that's the average DAU, by the way, right? I mean, I'm sure that like the out, I'm, I, we need. I, I wish I could look at who the like the total outliers. Like, who's the guy that's checked it the most times in one day? I, I've swiped that many times since we started this interview. I don't, you know, I, don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't be so surprised if it's in, like in multiple hundreds. You know, it was, it was kind of an interesting parallel I noticed when you were telling that story is how so you you saw this other project and you said wow that's really cool we should build a business around that so you reached out to your technical founder and had a conversation about working together or something yeah that's that's actually exactly what happened nice at the time i was already kind of contributing at the board level of darkcoin foundation and so i think that kind of helped bring some credibility to me approaching him <laughs> right he was familiar with the with, with which eventually rebranded the dash yeah, and I mean Peter's just a really smart, nice kid. I mean it's crazy because the original version of Blockfolio he built out of his dorm room basically, and it you know worked until probably January of 2018, and then and then you started seeing these server crashes and then we rebuilt the whole thing. You know, I tell you, it is it's so handy because maybe you got an ERC twenty wallet or you got your Bitcoin wallet or maybe you got some of your cryptos in bread app or then you maybe you got some Litecoin and over here you got them in all these different places, right? What's crazy? Then oh, now I sold a little bit over here and hit BTC and now and so people early days keeping track of that stuff on Excel and I know that that uh, Mr. Joel Com and I we still use Excel to kind of keep track of some of that stuff. But when you have Blockfolio, that's what I think is so sticky about it is everybody's able to put their exact portfolio that they have on there. And whenever they sell or trade on another exchange, I know I manually go in and do that. Is there a way that you can automatically do that? Can you connect your account to exchanges? You can totally connect your account. Like we have, uh, we support 10 major exchanges where you can auto import your trades to have automatically updating portfolio. Yeah, Travis, if, if you were familiar with the app, you would see the exchange connection and it's got Binance. I've never done that. I just sort of manually trusted it. I don't want to connect my my accounts to too many things out there, you know. Yeah, well there uh let's see Binance, Bitfinex, Bitrix, Coinbase, HitBTC, Kraken, KuCoin, OKX and Poloniex. Nice. You can connect the APIs for all of them. Yep, and we're adding more every month too. We should get on one of the more one of those exchanges, Mr. Joel Combat Coin needs to 
proliferate. Well, the Badcoin Foundation needs to uh, get their act together and, and make that happen. <laughs> the Badcoin Foundation. What is like the what is like the mission of the Badcoin? It, it's actually it. There's a couple that are actually putting it together. The team is going to donate a certain number of tokens to the foundation so that they can uh, spread the good news of crypto and help people all around the world mine and use their crypto. Nice, nice. It's pretty legit when you get a foundation. You know, like it's serious shit then. Oh, they got a foundation. Oh, but realistically, we had a conversation with the with this dude from the CFTC, and he was like, yeah, it's best to put that stuff in a foundation because you don't want to be an active participant. Like, if you are creating just a crypto, like, you actually are, you really shouldn't be doing some of the stuff. So we don't. So we're like, all right, well, I guess we got to get a foundation. There's all these rules to make it, like, sort of like Litecoin or Bitcoin because there's no HQ, right? There's no bad coin headquarters. So it's uh, we we created it for the for the people to do whatever they want. It's open source; they can take the code and do whatever. So it's uh, always interesting. Nice. Well, I was gonna say you need to update the screenshots on uh, on your main page because you've got Bitcoin tracking at six thousand four hundred ninety, and that's just gonna make people sad, and you don't want people to be sad. <laughs> yeah, that, that should be somebody's job. Like every day, update it just to the screenshot because like, no, no. You, if you <laughs> like what. Why isn't there a live uh, blockfolio on the website where I can just, you know, see the, the current rates there as well? You could be like a coin market yeah. gap, too, if you put, if you built a nice web interface. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's so many things that we want to do. It's really about, you know, like uh, how, how much bandwidth do we have and resources. Like, you know, there's a gazillion things I wish I could do. And well, if you factor in the that app and many directions, people I wish I could take come into your site each day, 14 times a day. Are you guys monetizing it with like advertising or I noticed I, one of the things that I love is this new signal thing that you have. Now, is that something that people can advertise on? Cause I noticed signal only shows the coins that I have in my block folio. So it's like, there's, there's other ones out there that I can't see. Is there maybe a way for me to see other signal news that I'm not necessarily connected to? So yeah, a couple things there. So Blockfolio signal is hundred percent free to use. Like we don't ever charge any token teams. We don't ever charge the end users. We don't charge end users for anything in our app. Really? Nice. And it's really meant to kind of bring proximity between the token projects and the end users, you know, direct communication channel. Again, this is something that we built because we sort of needed it to scratch our own itch. We were so busy building Blockfolio that we didn't have time to go out and keep track of, you know, all the different Slack and Telegram channels where the updates were coming from these token projects. So we're like, oh, it'd be great if we could build this, you know, plat this communication platform where they could just broadcast updates directly to us and keep us uh, up to date at what's going on within the app itself you know in terms of monetization uh we are exploring ways to kind of bring token discovery uh you know get ways for uh, token teams to uh to get known about to kind of like our entire network uh other things that we're exploring right now we're in, in the process of developing in-app order execution. So in about a month, we'll probably go into testing. I mean, I think it's coming up soon where you're going to be able to connect your trading accounts to Blockfolio and then execute trades. And then kind of through these kinds of services is uh, how we plan to monetize the app over time. That's when you could have the Blockfolio token, huh? Maybe, yeah. yeah you could pull a page out of Binance. <laughs> we're, I think we're kind of staying a holdout for a little while about the Blockfolio token. I don't know. The whole once you get into the realm of like you know uh, like the regulatory scrutiny, it gets a little. Well, that's true. Worrisome. So if you're going to be able to execute trades, are you going to be able to connect a bank account to add fiat to your blockfolio to then execute trades, or is it Bitcoin only, or how are you executing trades? The version we're working on at Blockfolio is where you'd be able to connect your trading accounts on uh, you know 
where you already hold or have trading accounts. So you'd be able to connect your Coinbase or your Binance. And then whenever you execute a trade, it'll route directly to your account there and execute it on your behalf in your account, right? Well, that's handy, especially since some coins aren't on certain exchanges. So that's that's helpful. Yeah, so that'd be like the, yeah, kind of like the initial version of what we're doing. You know, we're exploring possibly later to have Fiat onboarding. Uh, things like that would probably require custody or wallets. Uh, you know, it's a much more complicated game there. But yeah, the first version of what we're doing is just going to be uh, connecting to exchanges and uh, routing orders to the exchange accounts that you already have. The uh, the other feature that's at the bottom of the app is the news feature, and you guys are pulling in the latest stories from you know the main feeds, CoinDesk, CoinTelegraph, uh, Crypto Briefing, and probably a, a few others. And I, speaking of foundations, I noticed on here a story that Litecoin Foundation is now going to have a physical crypto debit card. So more mainstream fun and games happen in there. Yeah, I mean, there's so much going on in it like uh there's so many there's so, there's so many events happening in crypto that are that that just make you realize like how much more mainstream it, it's like crazy how it's you know it's still subsurface but it is compared to where it was in 2015 crypto has come such a long way it's amazing yeah but you hadn't heard you haven't heard ed uh, you know bitcoin's dead in case you weren't aware uh <laughs> Bitcoin is dead. And uh, again, we're, we timestamp this for uh, June 18th when we're recording this. I think this episode is going to air about a week later. But today was the announcement of Facebook's cryptocurrency, the Libra crypto. So I know that, you know, nobody's had a chance to really dig into deep, but I'm curious, what are your initial impressions of what Facebook is doing with Libra and what impact do you think it's going to have on uh, crypto in general? I think it's going to have a tremendously positive impact you know, a huge opportunity to create this sort of global cryptocurrency, right? And Facebook has the platform and, and the audience to kind of deliver that. You know, I would say an experiment for Facebook, but if they execute on it, it's going to be very transformative. And hopefully they do it properly where it is democratizing versus, uh, you know, something that's just going to bring more more power and control uh, to Facebook. You're, we're really seeing adoption starting to pick up is in these, you know, emerging markets in third world countries that have governments that are, you know, w- wiping out the value of their currency over the last like generation or two. And, 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 and people have you know, so much more risk over there so that to have like this global currency, digital currency that they have access to is, is something that's very beneficial for them. And I think, I think that's where. You know, everybody's talking about this new wave that's going to come into crypto and how they're like, oh, it's going to be the institutional money. I think it's going to, it's coming from um, real adoption in uh, in places where people need something like this. I think Facebook is like what they're what they're going to be delivering is just going to uh, contribute towards towards that adoption. It's, it's been exciting to sort of watch, Mr. Joel Kahn and I. We've had this sort of a go back in between, and I think it's I think we're both right. He thinks that that Facebook is going to be the sort of a Netscape moment that was like with the internet when everybody could easily browse the internet, you know, p- people are going to easily be able to get into crypto. And I think that's going to be very helpful. But I also think this could simultaneously be very bad for Facebook long-term as people realize that the terms decentralized and centralized and fiat currency, those words and the meaning of those words aren't embedded in most people's heads yet. The masses don't get that. Once they get it and realize Facebook's super, you know, centralized and it's not open and like, wow, and they're censoring. And when more people start understanding that, 
then I think it's going to be a big boon for regular crypto, and it might kind of be a double-edged sword for Facebook. What, what do you think about that? You know, the truth is the mainstream doesn't care about decentralization. They care about usability, right? And that's probably going to be be, be part of their fo- focus and kind of kind of their approach, like a centralized, more usable kind of like digital currency. I wouldn't be surprised. But that being said, I, th- I think, I mean, it's just massive validation for the space. It's a huge event, right? <laughs> I mean, this is like, you know, three, four, five years ago when I would talk about crypto, people would literally look at me like I was insane. Like there's no way this stuff is going to like, go mainstream there's no way anybody like governments will never let this thing happen and we are now literally on a podcast saying hey facebook is launching their cryptocurrency that's like crazy (laughs) it's it's, it's unreal it's one of those big moments that it it is one of those moments and mr joe com will be right because he called this like months ago but we always thought maybe it's going to be amazon accepting you know crypto or something and here it is facebook pop creating their own pretty interesting yeah. Don't list them though. Don't list them. Don't put them on Blockfolio. Make them pay you. Make right. them pay you. I don't know, man. Zuck is like a master chess player, man. Like I was just like making all the right moves. It looks like for world domination, right? Do, do you really think that it's him, you know, driving this, or do you see that perhaps he's the puppet that others are, you know, pulling the strings? I think kind of what happens with an organization after it kind of gets to that size, especially if you like create like a, a really strong culture of smart people, is like you just it, it becomes this like you know, powerhouse, you know, I think at this point, Facebook isn't just Zuck, right. But he's probably built this team around him that are just like insanely smart and strategic guys that are looking at every opportunity in, in technology. Right. And they just identified this one. I don't, I don't, you know, was it Zuck reading about Bitcoin one day and deciding that he wanted to do this? I mean, that's improbable, right? I mean, but they have a, a large team now. That was one of my questions about it. I was like, well, that's like, look, how can you ban all cryptocurrency ads and then all of a sudden stop and then create your own? That, and then and then turn crypto ads back on, but but not for everyone. That seems so douchey. <laughs> that's like, but also at the same time, I mean, that's what like big organizations do. Like they were like, they're leveraging everyone's data, you know, for their benefit. And then all of a sudden they're like, we're all about privacy. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, look at this crypto! Screw this crypto! This crypto stuffs are scams. They're scams. We're gonna block all advertising until we create our own, and then we're gonna say crypto is awesome, <laughs> right? Yeah, I guess that's how I guess that's how it works, right? Well, I mean, I don't know. They're making their moves. They are. In, in meantime, you know, they're not the only ones that are making the moves. In fact, uh, I just read an article about the Voice. You know, Voice dot com, which is Block One's social platform that they're going to be coming out with to uh, decentralize social media. And I just read that it looks like the voice.com domain name was sold for, get this, $30 million. What? It's out on the business wire. MicroStrategy sells voice.com domain for $30 million. Is it voice.com or the voice.com? It's voice.com. And you could actually go there now and sign up for the beta, which I did, Mr. Travis Wright, and, and recommend that you do as well, because we're going to dominate on voice.com. We're going to be like, screw, screw Facebook and, and the Zuckbucks. In fact, Travis, you registered a domain name. I did. I registered fuckzuckbucks.com. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm all about that. I mean, for, hey, uh, I think this is interesting. For 30 million. <laughs> For $30 million, they could go buy like some struggling social network platform. Right, like, right. Yeah, base, right? I don't so. understand that. You could also feed, feed a lot of people, um, you know, with that money instead. How about just be a little creative and, it, you know, you could have $30 million. 
Well, I tell you what, the dude who bought voice.com like in 1995 and held it for all these years, probably, I don't know if that's the case, but good on him. I think that's pretty impressive. 30 million for a domain name. <laughs> that's some serious cyber squatting right there. Yeah, man, that's crazy. That's, that's crazy money. He's like on an island now or something. So when we're talking about Facebook here and this, this, you know, their, their Libra coin or whatever, if you look at, there's this graphic that was on the New York Times and it's in our, I'll put it on our show notes. MasterCard, Visa, Stripe, PayPal, Coinbase, uh, Zappo, all these, di- Stripe, or I think I already said that. They're all joining. Uh, Andreessen Horowitz, like that's a lot of financial power to be behind the Facebook coin. And like, how are all these centralized companies working together so creatively and, and weird? I mean, you know, these Facebook came out and said, hey, this is our horse in the game, right? Mm. And everybody's looking at it and going, Jesus, this looks like it's going to be the winning horse. Let's jump on board, right? Nobody wants to like go with like number two or three if it looks like it's not going to be. So, I mean, that's what it appears like, uh, you know, in the beginning. Same time, I mean, there's like, I don't know, man, like I'm super skeptical to be honest, like while I'm, I, you know, I want to be optimistic about it. It's just like, if you, if you, if you, you know, look at like Facebook's kind of track record on how they do stuff or how they approach things. It's like, it's completely like you have to believe that they can kind of shift their values and kind of how they approach everything in order to pull this off. Right. They, they, they won't. I mean, maybe on the surface they will, but they won't. And, and that's fine. Uh, but you know what this does, I think more than anything is it gives legitimacy to the business world for a blockchain use case, right? There's been a lot of companies that have dabbled in the idea of blockchain. Some of them are quietly hiring developers and working on stuff, but now the whole world is going to go, Oh crap. Blockchain. This is what what we've been hearing about, and they are going to be developing. If you are a developer, like you could be sitting on a gold mine. If you are in any type of agency or ancillary business that is around blockchain development, this is the era. This is like back when companies were waking up and going, "Oh, we need a website." <laughs> and, and you know, if you got in early and were building custom sites, you made bank. Well, that's what's going to happen now. Well, I hope so, because that means that we got a pretty good shot with Blockfolio. Right. I, I kind of think it might be like this. It might be, <laughs> it, it seems, when you look at all those logos that are playing with Facebook with this Libra thing, this seems like this is the 10 cent WeChat kind of push by Facebook then to kind of make that all in one payment app and everything all in one, sort of like China does with WeChat. Yeah. I mean, dude, when you think about it, it's like super crazy what they're doing. I mean, literally, it's like, hey, we want to build a global digital currency. And this is sort of, uh, you know, at some point, it's going to go head to head. It's actually it's actually two currencies, right? It's it's one that is the stable coin, but then another that's going to be held by the the organizations that are, you know, running nodes and contributing to the network. It's it's two two currencies in one. <laughs> you know what's you know what's better in one two currency. Currencies. So here's my. It's not a one world currency. It's a two world. It's a. <laughs> it's a universal it's a currency. Uh, so Ed, I want to know how many times a day do you load your Blockfolio? No, I don't use Blockfolio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, screw that app. Who uses Blockfolio? No, you actually when I, like the, the numbers you have on your website. Uh, show that you have, let's see, where are the numbers I saw here? The numbers were like so significant that the other apps, you have more people using it than all these other apps put together. 
Yeah, it's pretty high. I think. I mean, we have over 5.7 million downloads now to date, which is sort of crazy. Yeah, like on a daily basis, I think we get more organic downloads than like the next four or five portfolio tracking apps combined. So yeah, I mean, like yeah, we like I said, we're super fortunate. Like we were fir- we were first ones doing like an app that that tracked portfolios, you know, for all cryptocurrencies on all exchanges. And and, and a lot of it was just the advantage you get from being first to market. But yeah, I mean, we got some some pretty decent numbers. Like when you think about the fact that, I don't know, Coinbase probably got like 40 million wallets now that we got, you know, some decent percentage of like their traction. That's pretty cool. (laughs) And then uh, I think think it was like in January 2018 when Coinbase came out and they were like, we got 200,000 new wallets today. And that was like a big stat, you know, like we never really shared this, but that day we got like 75,000 downloads. It was crazy. And we were like, wow, like I can't believe that many people all over the world are like downloading Blockfolio. That's amazing. What about, what about communicating with them? Like, cause I know when you sign up, I don't need to give you my email address. I don't really have to give you anything. And, you know, I know that I think that the signal inside is probably the best way to communicate with everybody, but is that like, Man, you have five million people on your app. Like that's like that's that's gold. You know they all love crypto. Like if I was like launching an IEO or something today, or even a security. I want to advertise to those folks. I want to find a way to have those opt in. Man, like it's got to be a way for 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 your for people to advertise to them in a in a cool way, not in a douchey way. A couple of things there, right? Like um, first of all, we've never asked anybody for any personal identifiable information. You know, I'm a big privacy advocate and I, and I really wanted to create a, a platform that people trusted, and especially like, you know, with the early libertarian roots of the crypto ecosystem. I felt that would be something that, you know, that being said, we're in the process of building out user accounts right now that should be in the app soon, kind of give people a way to sync across different devices or, you know, eventually we'll have like some web version or they can they can sync across mobile and web. That'd be huge. I was going to recommend that because I just got a new Huawei device. And for me to set up my Blockfolio, I got to pretty much redo the whole thing, right? Manually. <laughs> yeah. So so user accounts are going to solve that. Because that's success. I got to tell you, Eduardo, that is no bueno. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and we've actually run ads in the past. Like uh, in 2017, we ran an ad for Status, uh, a project that raised $100 million. Nice. At the time, uh, yeah, like we sort of did this sort of uh, uh, in like native uh it looked like almost like a token position but it was like a countdown clock in your portfolio but it was like a good faith ad so like you could like delete it if you wanted to you didn't have to have it in your portfolio right and w- when we ran that for them i think at the time we might have had like two hundred thousand monthly active users but i think they ended up breaking the ethereum network because it's so many people trying to get in that ico i think we directed that, man, that would be the best like a great advertising channel man you're sitting on gold yeah jerry gold <laughs> and then we we worked with Quantstamp in october of 2017 and they sold out 32 million and then we worked with lendroid in february of 2018 and they sold out 47 million Just get a percentage so, of their of their rate the, those are like the those are like the the three times we we ever ran ads and like these guys were like blasting like through their, you know, they were hitting their, they were hitting their caps, which is kind of, it's kind of fun to watch. You know, the other thing too, is like, you were a catalyst for that after, after, uh, after we did ran that ad for status though, man, the floodgates opened and every project in the ecosystem, it felt like hit us up and try to shill us their project and try to get on to be an ad on Blockfolio. And I literally spent like the next nine months saying no to pretty much everyone except for two projects, right? 
And, and, and part of it was because, I mean, there were some, there were some, we turned away a lot of projects or some that were good quality projects that we just didn't want to run consecutive ads in the app to protect the user experience. But, but to be honest, most of them, I felt, you know, were kind of not, I didn't think they were going to, you know, be viable protocols or they were malintended. Right. And so a lot of it was like, it, it's as crazy as it sounds, man. We turned away so much money, and a lot of it was just to protect our user base. You should maybe have like a vetting team, like a group of super smart people that's like on the round table that can take a look at them and go, "All right, this one's mostly this one's pretty good. Here's a four star one." And then, all right, we'll take your money. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's actually rating services that have like launched up in the crypto ecosystem now. I think Weiss Ratings is out now. Flipside Crypto. You're starting to see people that are doing sort of rating uh, uh, services in the space, but. uh it's still early on and it's, you know, I've seen so many cryptos come and go that I'm still kind of skeptical to know if like these people are on point. It'll take a little bit of time before you kind of, you know, get confidence in them. Most excellent. I got a question about this. So 8,000 tokens in, in Blockfolio so far. We had James Altucher on and he said, you know, 90, 95% of them are shit coins. Of those 8,000 that you think that are there, what percentage of them are shit coins? Oh, like maybe, I don't know, 5%. Total shit coins? Like completely shit? Like you think 95 are viable, 95 are viable uh, products? I'm, I'm, I'm totally joking. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's probably pretty high. Uh, it's like, you know, it's like the beginning of the dot-com era, right? In the beginning, you had all these like dot-com websites and everybody had like this imagination of like what might be possible. And it was like a disconnect between that and reality, right? And uh, and what would what would be like a viable internet business, right? And then, but then you know, how many Amazons are there, or Googles, or you know, these other companies that end up servicing that ends up being just a few, a handful, or maybe a few dozen, right? It's going to be similar. I think it's just part of it, like an, an evolutionary process that happens. But but what's kind of interesting is that it there's just going to be yeah, it's just like websites. I mean, there's millions of them now. There's going to be you know more and more tokens. Every day. I mean, since I started Block, I think when I started Blockfolio, there might have been like, when we started building it, there might have been like 300, you know, crypto assets that people wanted to track. And then I think uh, it's funny, like two years before we, we, or a year before we started Blockfolio, I was talking with Brandon, the founder of CoinMarketCap, and he was telling me when he, when he started CoinMarketCap, I think it was 2013 or 2000, it was 2013 that there were originally they had seven projects. Or seven seven crypto assets that they were tracking. But now if you look at today, there's eight thousand. There's actually probably ten thousand. Like there's probably like two thousand we don't even track. And then you have to think to yourself that, you know, five years from now, we could go from ten thousand to like, you know, two hundred thousand for all we know. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, that's wild. I was thinking about these micro economies. It seems like that's what's happening. Like imagine this, like all these little Facebook groups that are out there and all these Telegram groups and Slack channels and everything. Like in the end, we could all have our own little micro economy uh, tokens that's that's interplayed within these different communities, right? It's like there, there could be millions of these tokens down the road. There are going to be so many use cases for tokens, you know, as platforms. Yeah, it's it's and it's so hard to know like what they're going to do. Because imagine like in 99... I've mentioned this before, uh, like in 1999, when the internet first came out, right? Like nobody could foresee back then that it was eventually going to be, you know, coupled with like mobile and GPS, and then you're going to get Uber and, you know, drunk driving deaths are going to go down. (laughs) 
right? It's the same thing with this. It's like we're just at like the very beginning of like blockchain technology and kind of uh, learning how it's going to impact society. And like we don't even know what it's what other techs are going to be coupled with it or you know what what will be layered on top of it. Uh, and it's going to be, but we do what I see at least is like this Cambrian explosion of of crypto graphic assets that you know people are starting to experiment with it's exciting the website in case you guys haven't figured it out blockfolio.com of course you can go download the app for your ios your android device or you could even integrate it with slack which i think is is super cool uh, eduardo Mancada, <laughs> thank you, sir, for uh, sharing this with us and, and with the world and the millions of Blockfolio users. Yeah, man. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. You guys are right. Man, I like I like Edward. That you know, good sense of humor and the dude just found massive success with this app that mm -hmm. so many of us use and they are planning ahead. They've got some cool stuff coming down the road. That is true. Yeah, great stuff. Fun time in chatting with him. Smart dude and uh, hilarious. He's, he said in the pre-show, well, you guys didn't get to hear the pre-show because that's why we called it the pre-show. But um, we were we were cracking some jokes and he goes, okay, I can see how this show is going to be already. <laughs> so that's how it's going so to roll, huh? So that's how it's going to be. That's how it's going to be. Yeah, there's, you know, sometimes we'll interview people, and I always ask them before in the pre-show, have you heard the show before? And, you know, it's, oh, yeah, you, you got, we love you guys. You're great. It's hysterical. Or, nope, I've just I've just heard, you know, of it, and they don't know what to expect, and, and we just play around with them, you know, before we start. So. That's what I said. Well, it was great having you on here. Have a great day. The interview's over. You're supposed to listen to our show. <laughs> don't be such a black holio. I know, right? TV from my bunghole. And now we've got for you one of our crypto spotlight segments. And in full disclosure, that means that this is a sponsored segment of the show. We are being compensated to have these folks on here today. We took a look at the project. We really like the idea of what they're trying to do here. It's very unique in the blockchain space. And take none of this as any financial advice or recommendation. Of course, it never is. We're not financial advisors. But always do your own due diligence. Consult with a true financial advisor if you're wondering if you should invest your money or something. But listen in on this project because I think that these guys could really have an impact with what they're attempting to do. Definitely. Great stuff. Unless you've been living under a rock in a cave or in another galaxy, you've heard about immigration issues that are taking place around the world. And it definitely is a problem. So what if blockchain could solve this problem by tokenizing migration? Hmm. Interesting idea. We've got with us the founder of Migranet.io, Murtaza Khan, and advisor to the company, Mr. Warren Whitlock. And gentlemen, welcome to Bad Crypto. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Glad that, to have you guys here. This is really a new thing for us to discuss here on the show. We've talked to, I don't know, a lot of companies, well over 200. And this is an idea that has not yet surfaced and perhaps one whose time has come. So why don't we start here? Murtaza, can you explain to us as you came up with this idea, what was it about the immigration system that we have around the world that you see as broken that needs fixing? Yes. So um, by profession, I'm a Canadian immigration practitioner and I have been um, 
practicing immigration law for the last 13 years. And I have seen high costs, human trafficking, fraud and corruption, global payment issues in this whole uh, industry. When I sat down, when I had the vision to fix it, but what is fixing? Fixing means to me reducing the cost, making it more easier for immigrants, for migrants to, try to, to, to migrate to countries where they're actually needed. As an immigration consultant, what I would do is I would um, you know, literally sit there and calculate a someone's, someone's uh, credentials. So whether it be their age, their um, work experience, their um, educational background, um, and, and all the credentials, if you, if you may, and it would be equal to a number. This is all professional class applications we're talking about. And I would sit there and charge them five to $6,000 for that because that's what people do. That's what the profession does. Lawyers, consultants, everyone does that. And I realized that if there's a technology that is available, which are with artificial intelligence, machine learning, and blockchain, we can actually combine all those three technologies and reduce the cost by 90%. And actually, the way this would work is, for example, if somebody is a carpenter, well, our system, after their credentials are, 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 are put in, will be able to let them know, don't go to Canada, for example, because Canada doesn't have jobs for you. Immigrate to New Zealand. Machine learning will do the, uh, the, the, uh, the calculations of those points. Artificial intelligence will suggest which countries they should go to. And blockchain is simply used for uploading documents, their own documents. That's fascinating. Now, have you done any testing to see if any country needs any like crypto podcast hosts? You know what? Uh, once we get this going, I'm sure you will know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, I, I'm pretty sure of it. We'll have. We that, need to get uh, Joel out of here. Category. Joel's got to go. <laughs> That's not nice, Mr. Uh, Travis. Ah, I'm joking. That's not <laughs> nice at all. So, so this sounds like this sounds like an amazing process, right? Because we we know we've we've seen you know that um, how big of a problem that it can be. Because if it costs five, six, seven thousand dollars for an immigrant to come to one of these countries. And that's, that's a no go for a lot of people. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for, for a lot, most everyone, right? Uh, five to 10 grand. And so if you can lower that cost, then you're saying more people would be willing to immigrate legally. Essentially. Well, that, you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, legally, definitely. Um, we can't do anything about illegal immigration because that's the government and the border services job. You know, but I can tell you is that, you know, there's another form of human trafficking that happens. There's another form of it that I've seen happen in this industry where the wrong person has money and they get to a place where they just pay for that job. So now, you know, you, a person who actually is, a, let's say, I'm going to pick a very low uh, skilled occupation as a cleaner, for example. Well, there are business men and women coming as a cleaner to countries like U.S. and Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. And as soon as they arrive, they have alternative motives. Now, how much did they have to pay to get here? Well, they could pay anywhere from five to 15 to, I've heard $50,000 for trucking jobs, okay? Wow. And I've not just heard about it, I can confirm it. It's all over the news in Canada, actually. They're, they're, they're going after these people like there's nothing. And... Now, the, the chance that this is going to give people is that now $500 that we're going to charge on our system doing the exact same thing when, you know, because I know, because I do this for a living, I know exactly what it takes to bring someone over. $500 now of cleaner or a low 
skilled worker, for example, it can actually do their job. They're going to be here without alternative motives. So it's one thing when we talk about, you know, um, illegal immigration, well, that's a different story. But we're talking about even within legal immigration, there's illegal or, in, you know, alternative motives that, are, that exist. And this will eliminate that because now the people that are supposed to be here will be here. If, some, is a, if there's a restaurant looking for a dishwasher, let's bring a dishwasher over, not bring some doctor, you know. So that's where we're, where we're fixing this on this side of things for immigrants yeah. we're making it easier for them it's easy we don't, to get no more doctors we don't we don't need any more doctors y'all just i uh, just widely we, <laughs> we need yeah. more dishwashers so uh, let me ask you this then Let, let's you know i'm looking sure. at the website here migranet.io a lot of information here for you guys to check out how do you tokenize this how, how do you fix this problem well i mean the tokenization um is 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 there to because, okay, here's another example. Now you have all these foreign workers that come into, you know, uh, these countries, our countries or whatever, the first world and working, working countries, let's say. And uh, they're paying back, um, you know, they, when they send their money back home, for example, they're paying 40 to $50 in bank fees. They're paying uh, Western Union ridiculous amount of fees. And all of these fees are, you know, um, uh, they're exorbitant for them. I mean, that's five or six hours worth of their, their job, literally, sometimes. So um, tokenization is a, a part that we want to incorporate in the near future because crypto is going to be very normal soon. So when it's normal, we want to standardize a immigration token dedicated for a purpose of immigration and migrants. That's where Migranet token comes in. And um, a lot of questions have arisen. like, well, what if it fluctuates? Well, it won't because we will be giving them a private key where when they actually buy the $500, worth of tokens, that is a ledger that's not going to change. Now that is like a coupon, you have it. So now there's an investor side where people want to buy the token for whatever reason, but then there's that actual ecosystem that we're going to build where the token is going to be used in our ecosystem. Well, let me ask you this. this is, I find this endlessly fascinating. This is, it sounds like this can, this can work. This could solve some really big problems. So how many different countries can people potentially migrate to from where and to where? Like, can a, an American citizen migrate to somewhere over in Europe or to New Zealand or whatever, depending on our skills? Or is it what qualifies you as, a, as an immigrant in your system? Well, I mean, the, the thing is that it's the same thing what qualifies anyone for any country as it stands. Like, I, as a Canadian, at one point, I wanted to immigrate to uh, New Zealand. And because I went there and I saw the country, I was like, wow, it's, 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 it's a beautiful country. And my profession was needed, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, wow, they need, it was literally on mainstream news. We need more immigration consultants or we, or we need more recruitment agencies. There are in a, you know, 50,000 people or 30 to 50,000 people in deficit of workers. So what I'm trying to bring you back to what I was saying or getting back to what you were saying, in other words, is that even Canadians or Americans or Europeans also immigrate. They do. Right. And how is that possible is, well, well, everybody's got a credential. Everybody has their background, uh, you know, and has some education, some experience, whatever you want to, uh, whatever their life has been in the, in a professional or business world, there is a part of the world that needs them. Or if let's say you just want to go to Portugal and you love the country. Okay. Well, they have their own immigration system. We're not planning to be the doorkeeper we're uh, as an alternative to immigration lawyers and consultants for applications that can be automated 
So there are cases such as refugees, um, appeals, uh, rejections, family class adoptions that you need lawyers for. And that's one of our business models where we're going to be and already have four partners around the world, immigration lawyers that we vetted, our consultants that we vetted, who've got a great history. They've never had a uh, background in, uh, you know, they, they've never been complained on or anything like that. And that's going to be another revenue model for us where we're going to be referring those cases to those trusted advisors where they'll be processing them manually or traditionally because that's the only way to do it. You got to show up to court for them, right? Mm. So a, a machine cannot do that. We're automating where, why should I charge you $5,000 if I pick up the phone and go to my little computer, or sorry, my calculating app, and I start calculating and I tell you that'll be $5,000 and here's the forms that you have to fill out. Here's the information that you have to give me. These are the documents that I need from you. So you have to go run around and get me the medical records and police records. Why $5,000 for that? Why $10,000 for that? It should be $500. And that's mm. what we're doing. I like that. You know, here at the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, we have open borders. In fact, we encourage immigration from all the other podcasts, you know, come come listen to us um, instead. However, we do have healthy boundaries. And, you know, if you're if you're not nice to myself or Mr. Travis, Wright, We'll kick you back out across the uh, the border. <laughs> Is that right, Travis. Now, I want to know, uh, Warren, uh, you're you're not just another pretty face or a pretty voice in this case. Tell us why you signed on as an advisor for this project. Well, I'm I'm all about reducing friction to bring all the future of abundance to the world. So I, I think that open borders is a good idea. Um, and I'm usually for that. But this is not about that. This is about legal immigrants wanting to go someplace. When I got talking to Murtaza, I found out, wow, this includes things like, I'd like to go stay in Thailand for six months. How do I do it? I have a record. I can do that. And the next time I decide to move someplace, I, I, I could do, based on those same records, I could do it again. I'm not really sure whether that's a different fee or how that works, but you can you can take care of that. And then the big thing is I, as I study the refugee crisis, it, it's usually not for lack of some money and be able to do something, have a skill. The problem people get when they wind up in boats and whatnot is that the rules are screwed up. The, we got people waiting in camps for years to cross the border. And that, that crisis drew my attention to it. And then when I realized that legal immigration is far greater than the refugees, that every, it's a hassle for everybody. Used to be to be able to get a visa to go to one country, you'd be waiting for weeks, uh, you know, and I can remember that. I don't know how it is in the world now. I'm, I mean, I'm a U.S. citizen with, you know, the rights to go to all sorts of countries with, with an automatic visa. But I know that there's a whole lot of places because I've done that before. Actually, I, I lived in uh, Thailand for a, for a couple of years. I had to leave the country four times while I was there renew my visa we we the group had a full-time guy just rubber stamping our signatures on form and sending them in because every two weeks something had to be done uh it's ridiculous some of the paperwork now that was a long time ago and today that's not that problem in fact you u.s citizens could travel to thailand without anything i remember those kind of things and my heart goes out to all the people who are stuck someplace and whenever you reduce friction progress increases that's great. So, so then maybe I want to add, cause I, I, again, I find this, I find this awesome. Like, so as a U.S. citizen, like I, I, maybe you mentioned Portugal, like 
is that an easy country to, to migrate to? Or is that like, where are some of the countries that, that maybe are a little more lenient that maybe need more talent and stuff? I mean, I'm a technologist. I'd love to go live in Portugal, you know, for a while, but maybe not necessarily work because I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. But it's like, like, where are some of those places that are, that are really cool that, that have less friction to get, in, to get into the country? Let, let me translate that question. Travis is on the lam, and he needs to get out of the country quickly. So <laughs> yeah. where can he go fast? Oh, you're you're going to love New Zealand, Travis. I don't know if I want to love New Zealand whenever they confiscate your phone and go through and try to find all your cryptos and, and stuff. So. They do that in Canada, too. Yeah. The border. They have all the, and they do that in any border agency nowadays. Uh, see how much cryptos you got? I don't know about that, but they definitely, I had actually quite a, uh, I had a problem with them uh, checking through my emails and everything because I said, that's client confidentiality. I have a right to save my clients. They're like, nope, you don't have any rights. I'm like, okay. I'm storing all my, all my crypto in my new hardware device. It's a shoelace. And so they, they never think to scan the shoelace. Oh, well, I got it. We got a new hardware suppository that seems to be pretty helpful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they do check for those things. <laughs> Let's not go into that. I, the visual's too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 uh, well, I mean, the, the, it's, the, the question was which country. Where are the countries? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Bring you back to that. Um, New Zealand, as mentioned, ha- is a great country to immigrate to. They need a lot of people, a lot of talent. They have a great immigration, um, system. Uh, uh their immigration, they have a huge point-based system. They have a great investors, investors class. Uh, Canada is a great country to immigrate to. We are constantly growing. We're in deficit of workers in some places. We have a lot of professions that we're looking for. You have poor in, in Europe. We have, uh, uh, for example, Portugal is the most famous one lately. You know, I don't think I would suggest anyone else to go anywhere else because, uh, or anyone to go anywhere else because they're they're very English friendly speaking country as well. Because part of this, almost everyone in Europe that I find are from Portugal, Germany, and those areas. They they have it in their school system somehow. But uh, uh, great to how to immigrate and all these things are based on each countries and what they're what you know what they're looking for and what your credentials are for it. Uh, but as a easier lenient thing uh, that I've, uh, that I've um, noticed is Portugal is probably the best place to immigrate and is easier to, um, to integrate and, and all the above. Plus, you get that beautiful weather and nice uh, surfing if you're into it. So. Didn't you tell me something about they would, uh, like, I guess it was New Zealand we were talking about. If somebody's a, a, a service type business, they actually will help them get into business and put up money. Um, you know, th- those are, those are, I can like, I can only, I guess I can say that I can only talk because I'm a specialist in Canadian immigration law. And then I understand the, the point-based systems for all immigration that's out there. So those would be a little bit more specific that I can dig up and I'll get back to you on that one. Uh, cause if we're specifically asking for Portugal, then I'm not, we have a partner in Portugal. She's with, there's a law firm and, right. um, I can get all the details for you. Yeah. Excellent. Well, there is uh, no fee to migrate to the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, just so you know. Uh, but you will, you will be rich in laughs and, and hopefully some information. Gentlemen, we appreciate you coming on today as we uh, close out here. Uh, I know there's a lot more that we could talk about, but um, uh, Murtaza, why don't you go ahead and share what you want the citizens of Bad Cryptopia to know? Yes. Well, uh, first of all, I'd like to say that we have some amazing, amazing updates coming up. 
starting out with, I was just in Monaco. I had a, I was at a, invited to an investor summit where we have some amazing reviews. Um, then I was in, uh, interviewed by CNBC, um, which is going to be broadcast around the world. It's not about me. It's about Migronet was interviewed in a way, uh, if you may. And then um, we have a documentary that's going to be aired on Netflix that has chosen us as to, 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 um, to highlight us in their documentary as one of the blockchain or tech companies that are actually using it for the better good. Uh, we have a, our, the biggest news that's coming up uh, and a tech company is having the first glance at what our blockchain, blockchain is going to look like, which is on June 25th. And that's uh, one day before our listing date on Hotbit and IDAX exchanges. Uh, both of them, sorry, the, the exchange. And uh, we're coming out um, we're very strong. We've been on major publications already. We've had a lot of reviews uh, and we're the world's first. Uh, you can go on ICO Bench and check it out. There's nothing on immigration and there's definitely nothing on migration uh, in, our, in our rear view. So we're the pioneers. I want to thank my team, our advisors for making this happen. Our, um, you know, our CEO is in Costa Rica. He's busy building the business. We're going to be also commencing traditional immigration while we're building this project, which is makes us, it graduates us into a really good position and a good, uh, good for investors as well, because you want to know about a company that's actually practicing or, or, or uh, has a revenue model that already exists and we're building it while we're building the technology. So uh, I encourage everyone to check us out on our website, uh, migrant.io. We have all the details there. We have our two-pager, pitch deck, white paper, all the information's there, and our team members' in-depth backgrounds. And that's all I have to say. It's a great project. I would, I would like at least everyone to take a look. Very concisely stated. Migration is broken. Migranet wants to fix it. Migranet.io. Murtaza and Warren, thanks again, and best of luck in making this uh, a reality. Great. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, gentlemen. Hey, Mr. Joe, I think I want to migranet to Portugal. Yeah, Portugal sounds pretty yeah. good. I'd like to migranet over to Costa Rica also. Yeah, where else? Maybe migranet to Estonia. Now, I think Estonia, we could become like an e-citizen or something of Estonia already, right? So like get a passport to be an e-citizen of Estonia. Maybe we should do that. Is that where like all the people go to get high? Yeah, get really Estonia. That, no, that's Estonia. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's Estonia. Is different. That's the uh, the sister uh, country. Mm-hmm. Hey, we appreciate you guys. Uh, you know, I think we tell you that often enough. Sometimes people are like, you know, we don't tell you often enough. But I think we tell you all the time that we appreciate mm-hmm. you. And Mr. Travis Wright, we have some interesting developments from the world of bad coin. Uh oh. So, right off the broad. Yeah, yeah. That's a boot. You're right. All that. The bad coin music. (laughs) Just imagine in your heads there was really cool news update music there, gang. Like, Mm -hmm. whatever that sounds to you. So, one of the members of uh, Telegram, actually, he, he goes by the name The Voice, and he is with the Divi Project that is a sponsor for the show. He's created a bad tip bot. That is now live <laughs> in the Telegram, and people are just, yeah. they're handing out bad coin in the tip bot. It's super cool. You just do like forward slash tip at Joelcom because you're going to give me your bad coin, and then the number of bad coin. And of course, you need to have some in there right now. There's no way to deposit 
into the tip bot yet. You can withdraw from it into your band wallet, but pretty soon you'll be able to to deposit and then you can make it rain on others. And that's what I'm doing. Um, I can't wait to be able to deposit because then I really want to just tip. People. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I've been given every 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 bit that I get given to me. Because uh, we can't deposit it, I give it away. So I don't. Have, I don't think I have any. And then the voice will go, "Oh, here you go. Here's another thousand. And then I'll go ahead and give some away. So it's fun to give it away. Go out and do that. That's for sure. And also, Mister Jocom, we got we have a new mascot. Is that true? Yeah. You know, uh, I was inspired. Remember last year when we were at World Crypticon, there was the mm-hmm. guy in the Bitcoin outfit. You know, and, I remember. And then there's cartoons like that too. You know, it's a Bitcoin with eyes and little arms and legs. And and I thought. Well, I was walking behind Mr. Bitcoin and I was spanking that ass. That's what I was doing. I was like, come on, let's go to the moon. What are you doing down here below 10,000? I thought, wouldn't it be fun if we had a bad coin mascot? So I went over to Fiverr and I found a guy to draw him. And I said, you know, he really nailed it the first time. I said, you know, here's what a Bitcoin looks like, but this is a bad coin. And give him just a little bit of attitude, right? He's got to be bad, not evil. But, you know, he's got to have some mischievousness. Mischievous. Yeah. Right. Yes. Mischievous. And so he's been created. And then we put out there in the bad crypto mastermind, we said, what should we call our new mascot? I actually want to read a few of these. Now, the ideas that I, that we had, we thought, you know, baddie, baddie, the bad coin could be one interesting one. And the first one that I because we're unoriginal. We're unoriginal. That was not, that was my choice. Like, let's call it baddie. No, because that one gift, it's like, it was like one thing off of the movie. Are we the, Are baddies? We the baddies? Yeah. And, and then I thought bad Toshi, you know, he's that, that like really that. goes into it. But here's some of the other ones people came up with. Um, John Badafi, <laughs> Satoshi okay. Badamoto, mm-hmm. ba- Badamir Putin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Badoff Bitler. <laughs> Wow. That's really bad. Uh, Rightcom Batamoto, Bubba B, B and B, Biff the Bad Coin, uh, Jolcom. Somebody put Jolcom. <laughs> Jolcom. Uh, Badly the Bad Coin, B Diddy, Suktoshi, Total Mofo. I would have did this. I would have said Bad Trick Swayze. Bad Trick Swayze. That's a good one. Billy Bad. Um. Anyway. It seems like I'm going back to uh, the basics where we started that either baddie or bad Toshi. So we asked people to then vote on it. And hands down, the winner is clearly bad Toshi. And so mm-hmm. go to the bad crypto mastermind at badco.in forward slash mastermind. And you'll be able to see them. In fact, maybe we need a new banner, Mr. Travis, right? With bad Toshi mm-hmm. in it, introducing bad Toshi, right? The he he's like the mascot for Bad Crypto Podcast now, and and we think maybe I don't know what it takes to get one of those costumes made up, but it would be super awesome if we had one for World Crypticon. That's a great idea, and uh, for all you folks who are still listening here this far into the podcast, I want to say thank you. And the next episode is going to be interesting. Speaking of voice. There's some great stuff coming on with the EOS platform and the new social media platform called Voice that uh, we got a show coming up next episode, which is a it's a bad crypto special. So it's like one that doesn't even have a number. You guys, this it's is a special and it's also a special surprise that's associated with. So, so hang tight. And that one's going to come out uh, soon enough, sooner than you think, mm-hmm. sooner than you know. It might mm-hmm. be out now. I don't know. <laughs> So thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You guys are the bestest and the baddest. 
And Bad Toshi, the bad coin, wants you to stay bad. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.